I love this message. This is one of my favorite messages of the year. We get to look back and actually thank God for the cool things that he did because he did a lot last year in the life of our church and the life of our community. So we're going to look at a few of those things that he did, but we're also going to take a chance to look forward to what we believe and hope that God is about to do in our midst this next year. Now, I say that carefully. Let me tell you some things I've heard that make me nervous as a preacher when I hear other preachers say them. When you hear a pastor or preacher say, this is exactly what God said and God wants, run away. Okay? Run away. Because I'm just going to give you an inside scoop. We pray like you pray. We get on our knees the way like you get on your knees, and we ask God for vision. We ask God for direction. We get a general conviction of where God is leading, and then we take our best guess. And then what we do is if we see it get blessed, we know God said, keep going in that direction. But we also should have the humility to go, I think we messed up, and maybe we got this one wrong. Admit that before God and make another change. Does that make sense, church family? But if you hear that, I'm just telling you, a lot of times we don't know. We're just trusting God like you are, and we're moving in the general direction that we believe God is moving in. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Not only what did God do, but where is God going? We're also going to talk about some pieces about the church and what the church we believe should look like. And the church is diverse. It's a diverse group of people, but we're going to talk specifically about this church. And one of the things that we've said, and Pastor Tony will echo this when we do our our class, Gathering with Grace, and it freaks some people out, but we really do believe this, is our gathering is not for everybody. But we believe there's a gathering on our peninsula for everyone that God's calling. And if you ever attend our church or you come to our gathering with grace, and I've said this before, and you don't feel like this is the church for you, it's okay. I and our leaders will do our best to find you the best fit because what we want to do is see the kingdom of Jesus advanced across our peninsula to every place. And so you're going to hear hopefully some of that in the heart of who we are today. So let me, let me tell you what we believe as a church. Let me tell you what we believe. This is what we believe as a church. It's very simple. That Christ-like humility, when it's applied to the great commandment and the great commission, it forms a great church. Now, those are drawn from typical passages that most churches use today. So we're not unique in drawing from these passages. These passages are ones that most people look at and go, this makes sense, right? But they usually will talk about the great commandment. If you don't know this commandment, it means love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your body, all your soul. That's essentially what this commandment says. Love him with all your being. And the Great Commission out of Matthew says, hey, Jesus said, after I've done all this stuff, you know, I was uh, died for you, raised in life for you, and this is really good news for everybody that needs to have new life. Go out and share this good news with every living soul. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And so he gave us our marching orders in the Great Commission. But what most churches miss is this one humility. That if you don't do it with Christ-like humility, what this says in Philippians 2, it says, Jesus being in very nature God, he was God in the flesh, did not consider it robbery from God to not only declare his divinity, but to not lean into it. So when Jesus, who's God in the flesh, is on earth for 33 and a half years, he never over leverages his divinity. Even though he deserved worship, he never asked for it. Even though he could heal on his own power, he chose to heal through the power of the Holy Spirit based on the commandment of God the Father. So he gives us this great act of humility, not only in his person, but he asks his church to have this humility. When the church has this kind of humility where we don't think it's about us, and we don't think it's about our needs and getting all those things met in a certain way, you don't have silly arguments in the church about styles of music, colors of carpet, you know, how we should format our missions team. 
Those don't happen because we're too busy giving away our lives for others to know Jesus. So that's why that is so critical, that piece of humility. The other thing that we think is really important is people want to know who you are as a gathering. They want to know who you are as when you come together. And so this is who grace is, I believe. Grace, we're striving to be. Grace is a gathering of families who are growing to be like Jesus, giving our lives away by going into the world to share his love. That's just a general statement in who we think we are. Now, again, we didn't invent that. We just looked at this one passage, which we see is a critical passage, which is shown in the New Testament of what the church should be. You probably know this passage if you read the New Testament. It's Acts 2, 42 through 47. If you're not a Bible reader and you've never read it, this is a great passage for you to first hear. So you can read along with me. I'll put it also on the screen here. But here's what it says. This is what it said about the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. So when we looked at this passage as a leadership team many years ago, seven years ago, can you believe that? Some of y'all have been, it's been seven years we've been on this journey together of revitalizing the church and seeing what God's been doing. We pulled just four values out of that that gave you that last statement. And that's what we really tell people, remember. Remember these four things. That the church here is supposed to gather, grow, give, and go. And we never stop doing that. We never stop gathering as the family of God. We never stop growing to be more like Jesus. We want to give our lives away to others so they might know Jesus. And we want to go and tell about who he is to the entire world. And, and I think the cross is the greatest symbol of this. Wouldn't you agree? It's easy to remember. We see the cross. It's connected with the Christian faith. And this is what we continue to do. We gather, we grow, we give, we go. And the wheels on the bus go round and round. That's right. Until the Lord takes you home, this is what the church we believe is supposed to do. So now that you know those pieces, let's take some time and let's go through and just look at how God works. We're going to look at hindsight and we're going to do some foresight in what we think that God did and where God is moving. So let's start with that first value. Let's start with that first value of gathering. And so we have decided that gathering, obviously this is a gathering. We have smaller gatherings. We have missional gatherings. We have, you know, uh, growth group gatherings. But the heart of our gatherings as a church, this is what we believe we want the heart to look like, is that we really emphasize a hang time with God. That this is at the heart of who we are and how we measure success as a church. Now, we call a hang time what you may have grown up knowing as a quiet time. And we use it because it fits neatly in a cross stick and that just kind of makes it easier for us to remember. But it's a quiet time. And every Christian at the core of their faith, at the core of their habits in this habit, should have a time that they spend with God in prayer and they read his word. We believe this is the essence of the Christian faith in many ways. Once you come to faith in Christ, that if you don't have this kind of quiet time, this hang time with God, you will not grow in your faith. It's a cornerstone component. And so we make that something that we emphasize as a part of it. In fact, one of my favorite things to do if you're on version with me, some of you are, some of you aren't, it's okay. But the ones that are on version with me, one of my favorite things to do is not only do my quiet time with you, but then read how God is at work in your life. 
Like when you make those comments, and I'm like, that's so cool to see from this person or this person, how they reflected on today's passage. And that should be something that should be core, and it should come up in our ministry areas. It should come up when we're on the mission field. It should come up in our church life. It should come up in our family life. It should be hinged. It should be something that when we talk to our friends and family, we go, how's your quiet time? Those in the faith, you know? How, how are you doing with this hang time? And we don't do that to make them feel guilty when they don't have it, right? Brittany, even though you didn't do yours last work, where are you, okay? Because I get a report from hers because she does the children's version. It sends me a report and says, did her quiet time, didn't. Okay, that's kind of a cool thing, parents, if you want it. But the, the goal is not to guilt somebody to do a quiet time, but to help them and to encourage them and to enrich that time because God waits every day, I don't know if you know this, to spend time with you. And he waits in that hang time for you to have that moment. And not only do you get to have a time with God, but he waits to have it with you. And it's, it's a cornerstone. When that happens in a healthy way in those groups, you begin to build accountable relationships. Because your relationships just aren't based on fun anymore or hanging out or a common affinity. They begin to be based on that hang time and the word of God and, and how you're growing spiritually. And you begin to build those accountable relationships with another, and you begin to encourage each other, equip each other, you know, serve one another, pray for one another. And that happens when you start to build those relationships in ministry teams, in growth groups, on the mission field. And when that begins to happen, I believe that our hang time as well as our gatherings become very healthy. They become very healthy. Before I show you some cool graphics, which people love, let me just share with you some of the things that we focused on last year as far as God's word and how those affected our gatherings. We did a series called Essentials last year, and it was about the essential nature of faith because we kept, we kept being told who was essential and not essential last year. Remember that? And all of you are essential. And they're essential components of faith. So we talked about that. And then we did a series called All Revved Up. We actually went through the whole book of Revelation. People have been begging for that. So we did it. And it was great. We learned a whole bunch about how Jesus is all throughout that book. And then just recently in the fall, we finished one called The Game is Life. And we talked about all the components of life that are necessary to us to have fullness of life. Now, what's so important about this is I believe that God's been blessing our gatherings, both online and in person. And to show you, I'm going to show you a map in a second. And on this map are only people that are a regular attender, which means they've attended this church at least three times, and we somehow figured it out, whether it's through a Connect card or Facebook or Hangout, or they're actually officially a member of the church. And so this map shows you, this is kind of crazy. Again, this isn't just attenders. This is only members and regular attenders of our church. And you can see, church family, that our gathering draws, oh my goodness, from the bulk of our peninsula, especially you see in the Seaford area. And each one, they say, somebody said, what's the colors? The colors are different zip codes. So each time we see a different color, it means it's a different zip code. But these folks, each of these represent a family that's a part of the gathering of, of grace. And all of them are finding value in what God's doing right here. Because I think they hear the voice and the heart of Jesus as he shares what he wants to do across our peninsula. And that's exciting. And COVID has been a struggle. Amen? Oh, me? So let me, let me give you some other things that are kind of statistical stuff. You know, being a former uh, engineer, math is something that uh, tracks me. But we were actually peaking in 2019. Uh, we actually hit around 200 in our peak right before COVID. And you can see every church I've talked to, their average attendance went down pretty heavy over 2020 to 2019 because COVID hit them hard. But look what happened for us in 2021. 
God's begun to draw people back. You know, we're getting to a point, I don't know if you've got it, there's a little bit of COVID fatigue. Are you there? Okay. So you can either get stuck where you are or you can move forward. And we're going to continue to do what we can do to keep people as safe as possible. But here's, here's my promise to you in the gatherings of this church. We can shrink from this or we can take the gospel to it, church. And that's what we need to do. We need to take the gospel to COVID, not let COVID disable us. Which means we shouldn't stop gathering in small groups and growth groups. We should not, not stop gathering as a church family. Those things should happen. And I'm promising you we will never cease our gathering ever again or even think about it. Because it's too important. You want to talk about essential. Amen? Here's some other things that God did. Look at this, what God did. And this gives you kind of a trend. We had 52 first-time guests, 52 first-time guests again in 2020, even though it was a down year. And then this year, 41 first-time guests. In fact, since we started our revitalization as a church, you've seen 411 people that are coming in for the first time as a church family. So God is drawing people to where his word is preached. Amen? And that's what he does. And he does it through your invitation, and he does it when you live out your faith. Another thing that is interesting is just seeing how many people actually join the church. So we had about 32% join the church, or 32 join the church in 019, 8, and 11. It's a total of 181 people joined the church since we started our journey seven years ago. This percentage over here, for those of you who love statistics, is what's called an assimilation percentage. And what it means is when you take how many people were a first-time guest and you just divide it, this is the percentage of people that went from guest to member. So that's an area you can see we could work on some, huh? Because we want everyone that makes that first-time guest visit to either become a member or find the membership of a church where they belong. So that's some of the things that God has been doing. Now, what are we forecasting that we think that God will do in 2022? Well, one of the things that your pastors and your leaders have consistent conversations around, this is in the deacons area, this is at the church council level, this especially on um, when we talk about Sunday mornings, is we see a trend in our country. I don't know if you've sent it. You've seen it or sensed it that people are becoming more consumeristic about everything, specifically even the church, right? Churches a lot of times have programs, not because they want to minister to the people or the community, but because they need to compete against the other churches down the street. And American people are captivated by this. Well, what do you have to offer for children? What do you have to offer for youth? What do you have to offer for young adults? And we put these things out there almost in a consumeristic way without even knowing it. And what we've been sensing is God wants to turn his church upside down to go from consumers to contributors. Because I don't know if you figured this out. I'm going to give you some radical stuff. As you read the New Testament, you may have heard this statement. You'll hear the church say, the church is a hospital for the... But you don't see it in Scripture. Do you know what you see in Scripture? The church is an army, an army on purpose to reclaim territory from Satan by sharing the gospel. And when you look at the early church, they laid down their very lives that other people might be brought to Jesus and know him personally. That's not a hospital for the sick. The only part that's really a hospital for sick is when the person next to you that's on the mission field gets shot, you plug their wound and you move forward. That's really what the church is supposed to look like. And so as we've been thinking about that, we've said, we've got to change that about our church and the culture in which we live. Because I think the culture in which we live is getting sick of consumerism because they see it all around them. It has to move from what you're getting to what you're offering, to what you contribute. So we're going to do a series uh, coming up 
right here in the spring, and I'll share a little bit more of the graphic in a second, then Adrian will tell me how to fix it later. Uh, but I'm gonna, it's a really cool thing. We're going to go a series called I Am Group. And we're going to get back to the basics of what it means to not be a consumer but a contributor. We're going to walk through the book of Hebrews this summer and see what God has to share with the church in that specific book about this topic and how it might change our lives. So those are some things we're looking forward to in our gathering. Some other things about the gathering which are going to freak some of us out, but I think are good things that God's going to be doing, is um, I'll admit to you, I grew up as a pastor trained under the seeker-sensitive movement. You with me? And what a seeker-sensitive movement taught us, in a, a very skewed way, whether we realize it or not, is what you do is you have great music, and you have great preaching, and you do great programming, and then people are drawn to it. And so what we've done, whether we realize it or not, is we've helped you be consumers. Because think about everything I just said. What do you have to offer to that? Nothing. So we're going to be changing our worship format on Sundays. Your growth group leaders, the people that facilitate those groups, are going to have some time at the beginning of every service to be sharing the wins and the things that God is doing in the family of Christ so you can be encouraged and hear what God is doing. That'll give us a greater reason to praise God, won't it? You'll still hear God's word. You'll still hear good music because I think our music is very good because our people love Jesus and want to sing about him and to him. And then we'll also give you a time of greater reflection at the end of every service so that maybe it's not just what I heard, but what my response is this Sunday that's more important. So those are some things that we're going to be changing about our gathering. So let's talk about our area of growth. What do we want to do in the area of growth in our church? Which growth for us is connected to Bible study, getting together not only in a group, but also talking about God's word and how to understand it and how to engage in it. And whether you realize it or not, 59% of that average attendance in our church, you are in a group. So if you look around or you look online or you're looking at how many people are on right now or here with you, about 59% of regular attenders and members are connected to a growth group, which is down. And I think people are kind of concerned about getting together and how to get together and should they get together. And I'm here to tell you, God wants us to get together. At no point should you let something hinder your gathering. And what we've learned as we look back, and we can thank God for showing us this, is engagement in group is down more than it's been. But it's still high compared to a lot of other people that gather. But it's down for where we were. When I talk to growth leaders and I talk to our growth groups, the other thing they tell me is there's not consistency. It's kind of all over the place. I hear this from a lot of you as I listen to you. And you say, our groups are good, but they're not consistent. They're not consistent in what we talk about and how we pray or when we pray or you know, what we share or what, what we gather around as far as God's word. It's a little bit messy. And with that, you said that it lacks uniformity. People said, I don't even know exactly what I would call a growth group. Is that a growth group? Is that a Sunday school? Is that a small group? They get confused about what's supposed to be consistent about this group and how is that connected to our growth? So as we've heard you and as we've prayed over this area, we think that God's leading us not only to, to shore up this stuff, but that's why we picked this as the first series. So why we want to do I Am Group is we want to shore up our groups. We want to make sure that we make them as healthy as possible, as uniform as possible, and to give you freedom in the way that you engage at the same time. To do this, we're going to do some things that are going to turn our church upside down, because I think doing this is going to be powerful for us as a church family. 
So on February the 6th, we'll start this series. And one of the things that we'll do is if you're not in a growth group, we will have a growth group fair and we'll give you a chance to get in a group or better yet, my favorite, launch a group. I still think the best groups are the ones you launch. And and just so you know, you can launch a group with anyone. Anyone. They don't have to be a Christian. They don't have to be a certain place in their faith. You just have to actually want to get together with them. I would recommend that you like them. Okay, Because if you get together with people that you don't like or they're a drag, you're like, I don't really like hanging out with this person, that makes for a bad growth group. I've been in a few of those. Anybody else been in one of those? Yeah, okay. You're afraid to say it. It's amazing. I know all of you have probably been in a group like that. You go to that group and you're like, you know, and you'll know when you're in a group like that because you're like, oh my gosh, it's Friday. It's when we meet. Is there an excuse that we have not to go? You'll have those groups. And usually when you're in a group like that or it's on a Sunday or whatever day you meet, It's because usually the chemistry of the group is wrong and it's okay to go, I just want to hang out with some people that I want to share my life with. And here's what we're going to give you as a uniformity to your your group, your growth group. And it's so simple. There's three things that we desire to give uniformity to our groups that you would share. At the beginning or somewhere in your group, would you please share a win? Would you share one thing that you saw God do in your life this week, in your family's life, in your community? around you in your ministry, anywhere you just saw the hand of God. Because I got to tell you as a Christian, when I'm in group and I hear what God's doing in your life, I am encouraged. And it gives me a reason to thank God and to connect with God's heart. And I need that on a weekly basis. And I, I guarantee that you need it too. And then would you share one thing that God said to you in your quiet time, in your hang time, One thing when you read it, you're like, that's just stinking cool that God put that in the Bible for me. And I think he wants me to share it with my group. And then maybe those things will spark you into study of a topic or a book of the Bible. That's where we come in. Pastor Tony and I will work with you to help you find either a book or how to get into that. So, And then would you please share something you're wrestling with? Here's here's the one thing in a group... And I try not, I'm going to share this with you tongue in cheek, so don't, don't, my group that's here, don't hold me to this too much, because I try to bite my tongue when I'm in group sometimes with, with y'all. But this is what drives me nuts. When I say, how can we pray for you? And my group knows this. My wife has a really silly pink pig book. <laughs> and when she pulls out the pink pig book, she's getting ready to take prayer requests. What are people wrestling with? I don't know why we use pink. It's a kosher pig. But anyway, she pulls it out, and we're going to do prayer requests. And here's the problem. We'll go around. And some of you do this when you're in group. And we'll say, how can we pray for you? Maybe this has happened in your group. And you're like, well, my uncle, my coworker, my cousin, the dog down the street. Like, you've got everybody else you want to cover with prayer. But you won't be intimate about you. I want groups to get to a place where we start really sharing the realness of our lives. That when we look at one another, I say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm hurting with. This is what concerns me personally right now. Because that's when you start praying for each other, you develop intimacy. And when that kind of intimacy happens in group, you will see your group grow in fellowship and intimacy and connection and in relationship with God. So when you share wins, his word, and you share something you personally wrestle with, you will see God move, and I guarantee this church will grow. How are we going to be able to do those things and how does this affect our church? Let me tell you a couple other things about group. They're going to mess us up, then why we're doing this series. A lot of times in missions, 
We come up with an ingenious idea and we hand it down to you, right, Mike? That's what we do. That's very consumeristic, isn't it? You don't even have to shop around. We give you a one-stop shop like Walmart. Here you go. Go on this mission. We're going to reshift our groups to the point where I'm going to meet with our group leaders once a month, hang out with you over breakfast, those of you that got the guts to hang out with me, and you're going to start picking all the mission trips for this church. Who better to do it? The people that are involved in their community. The people that see what's happening at their school. The people that see what's happening with their neighbor. The people that are gathering together with other groups around them and they say, we see this as an issue and the church could make an impact here. That's why I've got to hang out with you as the group leaders. And that's why you have to have group leaders. And people that go, we don't go on leader. Yeah, you're the wishy-washy group that doesn't do anything and, and nobody wants to come. Every group needs a leader. And usually I have one group that told me, we don't have a leader. And then I called all the other people in the group separately. I'm like, who tells you when it's time to pray? They said this person's name. Who usually helps you to pick curriculum? They said this person's name. I said, who usually makes sure that you meet once a week when everybody's not sure what time they're going to week and when you're going to meet? This person. I said, well, that's who the leader is. Leader does not mean that you know everything or you're the expert in the Bible. It just means that you're the one that it will die to make sure this group will meet. And here's what's really critical. You're the person that's also, or maybe two or three people in your group, you're thinking about where's this person in their faith? How can we invest in them? How can we love for them? How can we encourage them? And every single person needs that. And that's why I want to meet with our group leaders and we're start doing, going to do that starting February, the second Saturday of every month. I'm going to have breakfast with you and hang with you because I want to invest in you as a group leader. To do that, we've got to switch up what we're doing with our men. So we're going to move the men's coffee or men's breakfast to a coffee. Men, I know you all like to get up early, right? Come on, men. Men, some of you, the young ones don't. Jesus got up before it was light. We're going to start practicing that. So I'm going to hang out with you guys once a month over coffee, 6.30, 7.30. I'll give you the location as it gets closer. But this is how guys are going to get together. And that's not that early. You all see when I post my devotion, right? 30, 5.30, it's right. It's not that early. Y'all can get up, you can do this, but that'll give us a chance to hang out centrally. And the other thing we'll do with our men is we'll continue to do our men's retreat. It's another way that will help you connect and help you grow. Men's retreat, if you haven't written it down here, it's uh, uh, May the 13th through the 15th. We will get away as a group of men. And um, forge.life is the website, and we've almost completed all the details there, but we'll release that to you, and that's the way that our guys are going to get together. And the women also will still uh, continue to have their retreat. It'll be in the fall this year as well. So as that stuff comes out, it's some of the things we're going to be doing to help you grow. And I believe that God will honor that if you just share a win his word, and how you're wrestling. So how about the area of give? Let me share some things with you about how God has been moving in the area of our church giving and also in the area that we think that God may be challenging us as a church. So give for us is inspired service, that you have an area that you're inspired to serve. Now, what's interesting to me about inspired service, do you remember how many people are in group? 59%, right? You want to guess how many people serve? 61 So what's interesting about this is we evaluate our church, we evaluate the health of our church, and you're going to see this when we get to missionally going, is the same group of people generally that are in group are also the ones serving, are also the ones that are going. And that's not where we want to be, church family. We want to have a larger amount in group and those in ministry and going, that the numbers will actually go down because it's higher commitment levels. And so what we're seeing is people just aren't engaging through covid So guess what? Stop being a chicken and get it done. Jump in and serve. Find a place of inspired service. 
Find a place where you can give your life away weekly. Some of you have done that this year, and it's been a joy to watch you jump in and do something like this. And I'd look, I'd look around, and I'd, I'm like, I'm, I'm proud of some of the things I've seen, but I'm also seeing people that say, well, we believe that God has us at the year of this church. Where do you serve? Where do you give your life away? If that's not happening, then do you really understand what it means to be a part of Christ's family? Because Jesus didn't come to be served. What's the scripture say? He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is at the heart of the Christian faith. So everybody should have a place of service that's a part of the gathering. And so if you don't have that place this year, you need to find that place. The other thing is we can't just serve him with our time. We also have to serve him with our treasure. That's the other part of the habits. Is we have to treasure the kingdom. Because if you really do believe in what Jesus is doing, you'll treasure it. And here's, here's some good news for you last year, church. You continue to be, as a whole, as a church, you were one of the most generous churches that I know of. Let me show you the trend. This is all giving, not just general fund. But this is what you've been giving away to missions, the general fund, and the special projects through the last three years. And even in the middle of COVID, the hardest year, you all increased what you gave to advance the kingdom. And you even gave more as you increased in the year of 2021. So this is a giving church. So one of the questions I would have is, are you giving? Are you investing in the kingdom? Because it's not about how much. It's about that all of us are giving in such a way that we're advancing the kingdom of Jesus. Because when we're doing that, we are actually engaged in what Christ wants uh, one of the things I'm going to do to help you this year, I'm about halfway, almost three-quarters way done, is I'm writing a class for this church called Giving with Grace. And it's a challenge to write from scratch. Let me tell you the part I'm struggling with the most. The money part's the easy part, because I can tell you the principles financially or of stewardship in the Bible. They're not hard to find. They're very easy. Larry Burkett had this down decades ago. You know, some of you guys know Dave Ramsey does stuff. It's not hard to find the biblical wisdom on how to give with your finances. It's also not hard to find. A lot of people say, I don't know what my gift is. It's not hard to figure out what your gift is and serve based on your gifting. That's pretty easy, too. The hard, one I find the hardest time writing is your time is your time. And I was, talking to, I was talking to James about this this morning. It's so difficult to figure out how to help people manage as a resource, as a stewardship their time. You know why? Because we're all so diverse and different. Some of you are single, some of you are married, some of you are widowed, and some of you have different obligations based on your job. And when you look at all of those different variables and you try to slam them together, there's no uniform way to t- teach us how to leverage our time. And so I'm trying to give you some basic biblical wisdom and write that in a way that I think is honest, but also convicting on how we can reshape our time and our lives so that we can actually get the greatest joy in our faith. Because I think a lot of us, if we're just being blunt and transparent, we, we give God the leftovers when it comes to our time. And I'm not talking about attending on Sunday. I'm talking about how we give God our actual time, where we give him our time, where we invite him into a situation. And so these are the things I'm trying to write. I'm writing it from scratch. I'm hoping to be able to release that to you soon and and hoping to equip our church to better manage their time, their talent, their treasure. And by doing that, that we can see God move. And when God moves, of course, he's going to help us to missionally go. One of my favorite things is when God calls you to missionally go, which is sharing the gospel. That's where God shows us to share the gospel. So in case you're not familiar with the way that 
going works. Let me explain our philosophy around this. Going is not that you have to go on a foreign mission. That's good if you do, because you'll learn a lot about different cultures. Going is not that you have to go to a certain location. Going for us is a shift in mindset where you realize that every single person you meet is either a Christian or pre-Christian. And you start to think of them that way, you start to treat them that way, because you're going to share the gospel with every single person that you come in contact with. At work, at home, the grocery store, when you go out to eat, it becomes a mindset where you share the gospel, where you can't wait to find somebody who doesn't know Jesus so you can share the gospel with them to see them come to know Jesus. Because when that happens, you know that not only are you on mission, but you've just affected their life for eternity. That's what going looks like. And so about 54% of you as a church family are engaged in some type of missional going. Again, it's very close to that first number. And when you're going, some of the biggest things that you've engaged with have been things like Riverfest. A lot of you love to engage in Riverfest. So that's a big event. Some of you like the larger events that we do like that. But, but also there's a smaller group of about 20 or 30 of you that are really engaged in what we've been doing with Third Saturdays. And the guys and gals that have gone on Third Saturday, you should talk to them. There's a bunch of them in this room. will tell you, I never feel more like the church, right? than when I go on a mission trip on Saturday. When we find someone in the community who can't give anything back to us, but the only thing that we can do is give of our life to them to show them the love of Christ. When that happens, you feel like the church. Because the church is not a destination, is it? It's a group of people that are gathering together. It's the very body of Jesus. And that's when you start to see that it is exciting. So let me give you some things that um, have impacted that. Here's our baptisms over the years. This is kind of fun. So 019, we had 13, 9, 7, and we've had a total of 75 people that have actually come forward in believer's baptism since we started our journey. So you don't know back in 2015. That's phenomenal for a church. You may or may not know, but the average church in the United States baptizes less than two people a year. That's, that's the average church. The other thing is, this is something that's interesting. It's a baptism to member ratio or a tender ratio. What it says is, this gives you a mark of how evangelistic you are, how, much, how good you are at sharing the gospel. So this means for every 12 people that attended, one person got baptized. This year, 12 to 1. This year, 19 to 1. So last year was the less, less evangelistic, but still more evangelistic. than. And our average over the entire time we've been here has been 12 to 1. What that means is it takes 12 people sitting here or online to see one person baptized. Now, when I read that, that Acts 2 passage, are you with me? It said, every day what happened? The Lord added to their number those who were being baptized and coming to faith, right? Which is really where we should be. And if you don't know our tradition, our tradition as a church is... When you share the gospel and someone comes to faith and you've been the one that's made the investment in them, guess who gets in the waters of baptism with them? You do. So I want you to think about this, church family. Every single person, if you really know what it means to be a part of this gospel, this good news, every single person here should be able to be in that baptistry once in a year with one person they've made an investment in. That's the kind of evangelistic fever. That's the kind of good news going forward that we want to see happen. And, and I think it can happen. I think it takes us being intentional, and it takes us moving to a place with our groups 
that are actually going to be healthy. Some of the things that we're going to be doing to help with that, we'll, we'll be doing Riverfest again this year. It's a great event if you've never done it. Uh, we're also, in March, going to be doing the Gemstones Prom. How many people are excited about that? So um, Gemstones Prom is the same thing we did in the past, except we couldn't partner with Tim Tebow this year. And the reason is Tim Tebow is virtual only. And when we consulted with our special needs community, they said, we're tired of virtual and we're tired of being stuck at home. Get us out. And we said, sure, we'll do it. So in partnership with Atlanta Road Alliance Church right down the street, they're going to be the host building. Uh, We will be partnering with multiple organizations and multiple churches, and we will host a prom event for all special needs individuals, 14 and up, throughout our entire Delmarva community. And if you want to know more about it, you just go to gemstonesprom.com, and anybody can serve. And that's if you've never served at that event, that's one of my favorite events every year. You will smile the entire night. You will have such a blast. And so all the information needs there, but we will be doing that event again, and that has a big impact. We'll continue to do third Saturday projects, but as I told you, we want to start getting groups to shape more what those projects actually are. Another mission project that we're going to do uh, coming up this year, because we haven't been able, Mike's ready to go foreign again. I know he is, but they've been chomping at us and kicking us out of the airports a little bit. We're working on those though, but I found one I think that this church will love, and it's called By Memorial Day. And so a lot of times Memorial Day for us is to have a barbecue. Well, we're going to challenge our church this year to go out and clean the tombstones of fallen veterans that need to be cleaned throughout our our community and across our peninsula. So that's something that we'll be doing to help in area uh, missions that I think will be something that our people will really like. But the biggest thing that we're going to do missionally, it's pretty earth-shattering, it's pretty crazy, has to do with when you pray over and you look at this map. So when you look at this map, one of the things that we know is uh, we don't want to move a church or birth a church closer to people for convenience. So for those of you that have said, because I've heard it, well, it's just a long drive. Well, you drive long when you go to a concert. You drive long when you go to the grocery store. So you know what? If, you want, if, it, if it's important enough to you, I know you'll drive somewhere. That's not the issue. But what should be the larger issue is when I'm working with my community, when I'm working with my neighbors, when I'm working with people that are close to me, I want to be able to invite unchurched people, especially to be a part of the gathering of God because I want them to know Jesus. And you can see that's pretty easy up here, right? But as you look at the bulk, that's kind of hard down here. And so people have asked us over and over again, you wouldn't believe how many times I get asked this question. Why don't you pastor come and plant a church in Salisbury? You want to answer that question for me? Because there's plenty of great churches already in Salisbury. This is not about growing a business. This is not about growing a brand. This is not about making this a larger gathering. If that's what people make it about, they've got the wrong idea of what the church is supposed to be. What it is about is making Jesus more accessible to people's neighbors. Now, that's important. And when we survey the entire peninsula, especially this area, we found one place in our prayer life where there's no work actively of the gospel. There's no healthy church consistently working with their community and their people. And it's this little place right here, Mardella Springs. And when you look at Mardella, you can see it is closer to a lot of the folks that are in this area. But more importantly, missionally, there's nothing happening there with the gospel. And so it's our hope and it's our prayer that 
the way God birthed this church and rebirthed it will be the way that he'll do a new work here through his people, that his people will be gathered to that place. And it won't just stop their church family, okay? But there's, there's some people way out here too and over here. And we want to partner with them as they get more groups drawn together around their area that if they want to see a local gathering birth, that they become the impetus of when, where gatherings birth. Now, why is this important? Because again, the way the church is typically operating in America is we'll just tell you where to go. This model, we're looking at where people already are and where there's nothing happening with the gospel. And we're saying we want to partner with those groups of people. So what am I asking you and what am I telling you? Grace will plant a new work, a new church, either in the fall of this year or the fall of 2023. We're not going to put it on the counter as a solid date. You know why? Because we want to work with you, the church, first to make it as healthy as possible with groups so that then God will shape the birth of that new work. Instead of us just going and doing something and saying, here, God, bless it. We'd rather start with you. So what does that mean for all of you? So for those of you that feel a missional pull heavy to Seaford, we need to know that. We need to know that God says to you, man, God has anchored me right here missionally with my heart and missionally with the people that I want to gather with. But I also need to hear from people that say, hey, God is pulling me and I can sense it already to this new work. Because when we know that, we can organize you into the right groups and begin to hear from you what are the right ways to missionally serve both this community and this community. And I believe when we start thinking like this and operating like this as a church, it will change how we think about our church. And I think that God will honor it. I asked Miss Julia, she's the official church historian, if you didn't know she's over here. Miss Julia knows all the history of the church. You want to know where the bones are? She knows. She also knows the entire history of the church, when it was officially incorporated, what the birth is. Oh, she says, ask her soon because her memory may go, okay? But she's got it written down somewhere in that closet back there. I do know that. And, uh, but here's the one thing I asked her, because, you know, Grace was a church plant. In 59 was when they started to gather. It was a church plant. And I asked her this question recently. I said, has Grace in its entire history ever planted another church? And the answer was, no. It's time, church family. We've got to get back to a place that the church, the church plants churches. And the church is a gathering of God's people. And when God's people see an area where there's no gospel presentation, where there's no work that's healthy, God's people cry out to God for that kind of work. And then God responds. That's what we want to get back to. And when that happens, you will see a hand and work of God that will blow you away. So on your connect card today, one of the things I'm asking you, I'm going to ask Pastor Dan if he'll come back up and give us some cool chill music, some tune music, not, not, not lounge music, but you know, cool church music to kind of think about and meditate just for a second. But I want to give you a chance before I give you the final thought to just think about and answer this question. Do you already know where God's called you? Has he called you missionally to the Seaford area? Like you know that he has. Or has God called you to this new work that we're going to start in Mordella? Has God called you to that? Because here's what I love about this idea. And and again, I don't think it'll stop here. I think God will honor this and we'll move into other areas of the peninsula where he wants healthy works. I think what we need to hear from is your heart. 
And when I can see that, when you respond on your Connect card, you'll not only give me a way to pray, but you'll give our leadership a way to organize. You good? Uh, call me Barry, okay. <laughs> don't, don't get me off that far. <laughs> but I want to just give you a moment to reflect on this. Where is God calling you? Maybe, maybe he called you today that you're not engaged in a ministry and you need to engage in one. Maybe God called you today to launch a new growth group because you know the people that are in your neighborhood and around you need that kind of solid growth group. Maybe God's calling you to double down on your missional engagement in Seaford. Or maybe God's calling you to go and plan a new work in Mardella. Or maybe even, crazy enough, maybe God's even calling you, starting to birth in you a new work in another area that we, we haven't even considered yet. But what we want to do is give you a moment of pause and just say, talk to God and ask him what his, your response should be today to his call to you. Because here's what I want you to know about where we're going to go as a church family in 2022. We're going to expand the kingdom and we're going to do it within growth groups so that we can expand the kingdom across the peninsula because I think it's going to start in small groups and growth groups. It's not going to start in the large group. And what you're going to see as a church family is there's going to be less emphasis going forward this year in our large gathering and there's going to be greater emphasis into our smaller gatherings as a church. But I want you today, if you know that God's already calling you to double down on Seaford or he's calling you to Mardella, please put that on your Connect card. And you're going to we'll collect those in a moment in the back basket, in the back offering box. Because I want to help you either way. As your pastor, I want to assist you to reach more people for the gospel. So let's just sit before God for a moment. Let him search us both online. And we'll use this moment also as a time to prepare to do something unique as, as the family of God, which is to share the Lord's table in just a second. But ask God, where is he calling you? Let's spend some time with him. heaven as you searched us if you sought our heart help us to develop the heart of Christ that your church is not a destination but it's an army on mission to see people know your one and only son and to grow in that relationship with him father show us how we need to surrender and lay down our life in a new way this year whether it's in service or in growth group, in mission, or even maybe where we attend our weekly gathering that's our larger gathering. Brothers, you search us, 
Also searches personally to know us and to know if there's any sin in us that would keep us from being on mission or being in right relationship with you. Father, we take a moment and we just admit that we are sinners, but we rejoice that you use fractured and broken people like us to advance your kingdom. But we admit our sin before you this day, fresh and new, knowing that our sin separates us from you as well as one another. And so by admitting that we're sinners, we know that we can then have forgiveness and restoration. We thank you that you sent Christ, that in the person of Jesus, that he came and lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. And then after living that life, he gave it up. He gave it as a ransom to pay for our sins. That his sacrifice was not only pleasing to you because it gave the world the opportunity to know you, but personally this day, Lord, it gives us the opportunity to embrace you more deeply and in our faith. We put our trust and our hope only in the person of Jesus because we know that we need what he has done for the forgiveness of our sin. And Lord, we commit our lives to you fresh and new this day. We ask that the Holy Spirit would live within us and that he would change our heart from this moment every day to look more like Christ. That Christ would live again mystically within his family, the church. And the church would not be a destination, but it would be a gathering everywhere we gather across this peninsula to know you and to share you. And we thank you for this in the matchless name of Christ and all God's people said, amen.